Heather, I was just thinking, so we did a video about Kiyostama looking at Jewish festivals and then using them to slot in his own political message. So I was thinking, Heather, how about you start a sort of YouTube channel where you celebrate Christian festivals, but you slot in your own kind of political message. So I've got some ideas for you, if, if, if you'll indulge me. So I was thinking, right? Because Christmas is coming up. Well, Christmas is just around the corner. Not yeah. a bad place to start, right? So I was thinking you could do a sort of Christmas video where, where you sort of, you know, you buy a Christmas tree. It's all very nice and cozy. You've got a little Santa hat and you're like, Christmas time. It's that time when we come together with, the, with our friends, with our loved ones. But it's also a time to reflect on the loved ones who are no longer with us. Like all the people that have been thrown out of the Labour Party by Kia Starmer. <laughs> I might do that. Do you know it took 40 years to get a Christmas tree at my mum's? Really? Yeah, because she wouldn't have a Christmas tree when we were young because we're Jewish. And she was like, no, mm. we're not doing that. And I just kept on going relentlessly. Asking <laughs> the pest of power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we got a Christmas tree when I was about 40, but it's only a little fake one. <laughs> but I feel like that's good. Now I can make a video. Um, maybe we'll yeah, do a fa family video. You, maybe, maybe I'll get my yeah, brother yeah, yeah. involved. You've got, yeah. you've got to exploit your family in these things. I mean, what else are they there for? <laughs> okay, well, that's great. I mean, thanks for throwing that idea in. <laughs> wow, I'm just full of great ideas like that. Yeah. Um, I'll help you. We've got well, Easter as well. Yeah, it just goes on and on. Um, anyway, so today we're talking... The problem with it is there's not as many Christian festivals as there are Jewish festivals. No, well, you could do anything. I mean, you could do Muslim festivals. You could do anything, really. Right, <laughs> okay. I'll bear yeah. In mind. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever the occasion, you can always twist it into your own political narrative. That's what I've learned from Kiyostama. Welcome to Complaints on a Podcast with me, Daniel Taylor. And, and me, Heather Mendick. And we've got a special guest on the show, Claudia Berlin. Hello. Claudia has her own YouTube channel. So check that out. We'll put um, a link in the description below the video. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, what are we doing today? Um, identity politics. We're doing oh, identity politics. Oh, yeah, just politics. a small issue of identity politics. This is also by popular request. So we are um, very responsive to our, our small audience, of whom I think three asked for identity politics. So. And we've been, we've been badgered by the woke mob. They've, they've been like knocking down our door to get us to do this video and we've powered to it. Because that's how it works, right? On, yeah. the, on the old internet. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about identity politics. I think the reason we decided to do this now, um, well, it's, it's, every week there's a new reason, right, for what's going on. But I think initially it was because of the amazing new diverse cabinet that Rishi Sunak has brought out. And we're all just a little bit in awe of that. I wanted to discuss the pros and the cons of the, yeah. the new tour. I mean, I just feel so personally like blessed and excited to see <laughs> South Asian representation in Rishi Sunak. Like, how will I ever get over it? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's funny because I don't think Rishi Sunak, um, he 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 wouldn't be happy with you saying that because he wants to be, uh, well, he wants it both ways. He wants to be um, taken on his own merits. Mm. Like, it's, it's not nothing about diversity, but he also does like to glow about diversity. Right now, our opponents in the Labour Party are sitting at home. They're puzzled. They're asking themselves, why are those Conservatives about to produce Britain's third female Prime Minister or its first non-white Prime Minister? 
Well, we can tell them. And we can tell them, because in our party, we value who you are, not what you are. We... We are not captured, we are not captured by identity politics. We just want the best person to do the job. Like everybody wants it both ways, right? We all hate diversity and wokeness and everything, but also we're secretly sort of uh, using it to our own ends. That's what I've learned from Richie Sunak. I've been learning a lot from the leaders of the different political parties. You have, you're a different person. <laughs> um, okay, so like to go away from the comedy, and to talk about this, yeah, sorry about that. Um, but Rishi Sunak, well, it's not just Rishi Sunak, is it? It was under um, this trust that we had this, and the leadership election then. Like, what, half the candidates for leadership of the Tory party were women? Half of them were people of colour? It was kind of remarkable. It was remarkable, wasn't it? Um, but it also kind of shows the real limitations of identity politics. So I think that's why we're starting there. Right, because I think there's a kind of association between the left and, and it almost treated as the left is the site of identity politics, and that's all we care about. I was thinking about this earlier when we were getting ready for this video, and I mean, surely the the example that they're more into identity politics than us is that if you look at socialists and the left, most of us support Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn is a white cis straight older man, you know. So obviously, if you ask people why they support him. You know, you often get accused of it being some sort of cult of personality. It's based on policy. Whereas the Tories who consistently say how much they hate, you know, wokeness and identity politics, I cannot, they will not stop going on about the fact that, oh, Rishi Sunak, South Asian representation, Liz Truss, she's like a girl boss. It's like, they're obsessed with it. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because that election after Jeremy Corbyn stood down in 2019, we had um, three female candidates. And we had mm. Keir Starmer. Right. And the women, women were Rebecca Long Bailey. And Lisa we can talk Nandy. about. Yes. And originally Emily Thornbury, mm -hmm. who didn't get the nominations to, to make it onto the final ballot. And yeah, Rebecca Long Bailey was the candidate at the left. So you'd assume that anyone who wanted to move away from the Corbyn side of the party wouldn't support her. But they didn't support Lisa Nandy or Emily Thornbury either. And, and, it's complicated to think about why. I mean, Lisa Nandy probably didn't have a chance of winning. She couldn't convince enough of the left to support her in the way that um, Starmer did, could. But Emily Thornbury could have done. Emily Thornbury's a much more talented politician. She has very similar politics to Keir Starmer. And I don't know whether it's a little bit of sexism or, or also just they could not forgive her for not joining the coup in 2016. They're such bitter and twisted individuals. Sorry, Heather, um, wait, wait, who are you talking about specifically? You're talking about people within the Labour Party MPs, not, not the board the, the, of membership. The right wing. The right wing couldn't get behind Emily Thornbury. She got the MPs nominations, Emily Thornbury. She yeah. didn't get the nominations from local parties and from affiliates. They all basically, the right wingers in those, all backed Starmer almost entirely. So right. yeah, I think there is obviously a little bit of a problem. And even the kind of process of getting to Rebecca Long-Bailey as a candidate, there was a little bit of like the left not wanting her and I thought there was a little bit of sexism in that so there is sexism I, yeah. yeah do you remember you know when when people were behind Jeremy Corbyn you know a lot of the kind of liberals the kind of right of the party you know were talking about how 
um, oh, it's hypocritical because, oh, you're all behind this this white guy, you know, this old white guy. Um, you know, they, they said that for such a long time. And then it was so interesting that when they actually had the opportunity, you know, it suddenly flipped. It was never real. It was always fake. You know, they never believed what they were saying. They went overwhelmingly for Starmer. You know, and, and I heard a lot of people, I don't know if you guys have the same experience. I've got a lot of friends and family members who are kind of more centre of the Labour Party. And they were, you know, women as well, saying things like, well, you need a you need a strong, reasonable man. And, you know, that's just the world we live in. Unfortunately, really? there's sexism. So, you know, it's actually really clever if we vote for Starmer somehow, <laughs> because that will get the sexist. It's so fake. I think it's fake anyway. I think that's really interesting, that idea. There is that problem, I, I guess, with centrist politics is that on the one hand, um, they sort of openly say that, well, we have to play sort of the hand we're dealt or you know and they they sort of project what the hand might be but the hand is a hand full of sort of racist uh nationalists and sexists and we have to play to that audience or, we'll, or we won't get elected and then we can't bring about real change but on the other hand they obviously sort of don't want to say that that's actually what they're doing and and they'll come out and say oh well the real racists and the real sexists of the left you know so they're constantly kind of sort of negotiating these different positions uh, but I think there's like an interesting point to Heather, you're saying there is, you reckon there is some actual real sexism going on in the Labour Party, because I was sort of, I don't know if this is exactly what you're saying, Claudia, but I'm sort of with you in the way that the whole idea of having a female leader of the Labour Party is only ever used cynically um, against sort of the candidate that you don't want. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, when Corbyn was running, it was like, oh, well, well can't we have, um, what's the face? Uh, I wasn't gonna not Kendall. <laughs> not oh, Kendall. Yvette Cooper. Uh, Yvette Cooper. Yeah, we need a female leader. We need someone like Yvette Cooper, right? Uh, and then obviously, when um, roles are reversed, and um, it's Rebecca Long Bailey as a left candidate, suddenly so like, oh, it doesn't really matter. So I think you're right. There's all that, there is a lot of cynicism, but there is also real sexism. I mean, like the whole process on the left of getting Rebecca Long Bailey as our candidate. It was all backwards and forwards. There were loads of people trying to recruit. Oh, what's his name? Ian Lavery. Yeah. And I really think there was a kind of resistance on the left to, to having a woman as the candidate. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but Ian Lavery's I, more experienced. And Reckon with Bailey, one of the issues was that she was a fairly new MP. Uh, and I don't know if that played into... She came she into Parliament in the same election as Keir Starmer. Yeah, I'm not defending Keith Starmer <laughs> becoming leader. I mean, it does blow my mind uh, that both of them, I suppose, had had just come into politics what uh, two elections yeah. ago, mm -hmm. and and these were elections in quick succession. Normally, it's every five years, but we've actually we actually hadn't been a full parliamentary term that either of them had been MPs, and there was uh, yeah. And I did think I've always thought that was strange with Starmer as well. But they also tried to recruit what's his name, um, Barry. What's his name? Barry Gardner. Yeah, Barry Gardner, who isn't even oh, on the left. Particularly. I remember, I remember his his like uh, midnight in the hotel video. Do you remember that? Where he said, "I've said, I've got a phone call from uh, people at Labour. They really want me to run." And it, it was like he sort of put it up. Is that one of the sort of drunken phone calls you make? Oh, right. And then he like tried to cancel it afterwards. It was very weird. So you think there is there was some sexism involved in? in kind of not being fully behind Rebecca Long Bailey from the get-go because her campaign was slow to get off the mark which was part of the yeah. problem right yeah 
But I mean, this is kind of maybe going a bit sideways. But yeah, I do think they're sexist and low party. I mean, it's a part of the problem, isn't it, with identity politics, is that it addresses a real issue. It's that there is sexism and racism in society. There's transphobia. There's homophobia. There's all of these different things. There's ableism. All of that is real, right? It's structural. And there's representation matters. It matters both kind of for individuals looking um, for not really role models, but for the idea that you can do something, that it's, it's a space that you can go into. And for the fact that people bring different experiences and part of the reason why they bring different experiences because of the kind of social structural position they come from. So all of that is real, but then identity politics itself has become this kind of, it's just become simpl simplified. It isn't really capturing that. It is just a tick box exercise of do we have a black person? Do we have a woman? Do we have someone who is who is gay? Do we have et cetera, et cetera. And that's not the way that you address structural inequality. So I think that's the problem is that it's become a kind of caption and a gimmick. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I think my experience is that there is definitely sexism on the left, but I mean, it's not, I mean, it, it does tie into what you're saying because there's no more sexism there than anywhere else. There's sexism there because there's sexism in society. So of course it does make itself known. Like one of the things we can say about identity politics is that it gets used to label the left, right? All of us get classified on the left as people, as people who support identity politics in a very simplified form. And that's by the right wing, that's by the liberal centre and everyone. So... And it also it makes it more difficult for us to actually handle issues. Like, for example, if we did actually want to deal with sexism, it will now become a minefield and something that's impossible to do without it. You feel like even talking about it would be weaponized by bad faith actors against the whole left. So it kind of silences. It stops change from happening. What the Tories do and what the right do generally in, in all sorts of issues, they're able to sort of juggle a few different positions. And I think that's what the Tories have always been good at. Where on the one hand, the sort of uh, the prime minister, the cabinet, the sort of real people are sort of at the top have to sort of take a position that's much more safe. But they can always allude to, as, as Richard Junak sort of does, like he is both a diversity candidate and championing the diversity of his cabinet, while also attacking the woke mob for what? For, for wanting diversity, I guess. It's, it's, he's able to do that uh, because there are outliers who are you know, writing for the Telegraph and, the, and these other newspapers who are kind of attacking the woke mob, um, which they see as a totally left-wing issue, which sort of allows the space for the right to sort of, I don't know, play about with it much more freely. Anyway, yeah, let's move on to an article that I think is uh, quite good at doing that. So we're going to look at an article from Spiked, which I've, I don't think I've ever read an article from Spiked, so I feel pretty ignorant at this point. Um, but... This was, um, Heather brought this up, obviously you're a big reader of Spiked. <laughs> <laughs> this is called uh, Woke, the Language of Tyrants, and it's by Julie Birchall, who again, I didn't know Julie, Julie Birchall wrote for Spiked. I, anyway, let's get into the article. Even autocrats and terrorists now sound like whiny SJWs. It's annoying when one's words are parroted by people clearly inferior to oneself. With my talent for turning a phrase, this has happened to me a few times. Watching Tony Blair snivelling about the people's princess, mine, or Owen Jones sniggering about cry bullies, mine again, it's not a pleasant experience to see one's pearls spewed by swine. But if one believes in absolute freedom of speech, as I do, 
it must be borne with stoic cheer. Recalling the old saw, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. This use of all of these words, like SJWs, woke, snowflakes, cancel culture, you just, they just get thrown around now. You just like, like splur them out, like uh, to, to sort of just, they, they talk about ending conversations, that the, the woke mob will end a conversation by calling someone a racist or calling someone sexist, but they just end a conversation by just sort of saying about 10 sort of random phrases that kind of have so many different meanings at this point that you're like, what can you even say to that? Yeah, it's they're like, also like so dramatic. Like, have you noticed, like reading this, I'm not used to spiked either. You know, and I think, you know, they're going for, oh, you know, whiny snowflakes. They can't, you know, they they can't, they're so oversensitive. These people are so dramatic. It's unreal. Yeah. It, so it reads I- as comedy. Outrage culture, right? Those snowflakes are so outraged and flying off the handle. And then you read this and it's like, well, okay. I mean, uh, yeah. So um, uh, they, yeah, very um, temperamental, very. uh, You could make uh, bingo. You could make right wing cancel culture bingo where you have a series of terms like snowflake, um, (laughs) like critical race theory. I don't know what else. Um, cancel culture. They could like throw in some transphobia a little bit, you know. Yeah, and then and then you just kind of play it as you read an article. Oh, well, let's do it right now. Okay, come on. <laughs> I'll, I'll do a little. I'll put a little bit of music on and some graphics of like a, some sort of bingo cards. Um, and we don't even have to play it. I'll just play this later when I'm doing the editing. I'll just sort of start to cross off the words as we go through them. <laughs> but I'll 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 you know what I'll do is I'll make the bingo card after I've done it. So all the words will definitely be included. Yes. Another one we could put in there, I think, uh, freedom of speech, obviously. Yes, yeah, definitely. That's got to be on the bingo right. card. Probably be on there. Also, the arrogance. Right, people yeah. are clearly <laughs> inferior to me. <laughs> so it's like, so I just got my masters last week. So it's creative writing. So I love analysing language choices. Okay, they are doing that exact same thing you were talking about earlier, Daniel. You know how you say the Tories kind of play both sides, where they hate woke, but they also, they love to play into identity politics. You've got a sort of ironic sort of self-centeredness. They are hitting people who genuinely think they're superior, but she's also doing it with that sort of slightly comedic vibe. So she kind of gets away with it. Like it's incredibly yeah. arrogant. It's it's scarily arrogant, but she gets away with it because of the tone. Like it could all be ironic. Yeah, I think we'll definitely get into, like, as it goes on, it could be a parody piece. Uh, it really sort of, yeah, teeters on the on the brink of that a lot of the time. Um, and just to note that I really hate to have my position um, encapsulated by Tony Blair and Owen Jones. <laughs> Neither of whom I particularly share politics with. <laughs> Yet another strike on the left. <laughs> So uh, back to the article, the woke have also ruined a few words that I didn't invent, but have enjoyed using. God, there's a few words she didn't invent. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Commu- <laughs> and enjoys using. She's, she's not that arrogant. She will use other people's words. Community, once brought to mind street parties and singing, whereas now it means someone getting offended on behalf of others. While activism, once meaning getting out and organizing people, now means sitting at home, swearing at people on the internet. But even more amusing is when woke speak is used by actual tyrants and totalitarians. How is, how is this not part of online activism, like 
doing this funny parody article like it, they feel like they're so detached it makes me think of sorry to bring it to this you know the david Bedell documentary he did about social media anger and us yeah there's this idea that anybody who disagrees with you or is angry on the internet for some reason i don't know why it gets put on the left why do they imagine that's the thing that why is that the left like someone will troll them and they think it's the left this is an interesting thing about the projection onto the left like everyone does it we are just like kicked by everybody right right yeah because we don't have any status politically we don't have like platforms particularly so it's hard to kind of get the real message out so it's just really easy to project a load of crap onto us about yeah I I, I like to put slightly I don't know if this is positive but maybe a reason why is because generally the left is outside of the discourse or it's seen that in the proper way in the proper decorum of how politics should work the left shouldn't be involved but it's it's impossible to completely get rid of the word to cancel them for want of a better phrase online people online will come from come to you from all sorts of positions and someone like David Baddiel who's been a public figure you know a long time before the internet a long time before social media uh, is someone that's not used to being attacked from the left because he's always been a sort of centrist figure and the sort of publications, the public conversation was was dominated by these things like The Guardian, right? And if you couldn't get your article printed in The Guardian, then you didn't have a voice. But now you go on Twitter or David Baddiel does and he says something and he gets a load of tweets by people coming at him from, and he's like, who are these people? How how dare they get involved in this conversation? They must be illegitimate in some way. I, I okay, just so- wanted to say as well, like I just wanted to to say, like there's such there's this background of ableism. I feel like doesn't get talked about enough in that conversation. I wouldn't feel right not to say that. You know, the idea about people, you know, activism. Why are they defining activism? You know, they they're not understanding that. You know, so many people who have disability their community is online like that is community that's them expressing how they feel yeah you know it's it's completely you know it's making out that oh people online who are angry are cranks well what about if the people online are people who like you say you know they don't have a stake they don't have a voice in other platforms it's the only place they have got they're probably going to be more angry because they're going through more you know they're going through injustice you know it's it's just i find that very very difficult as someone who myself has got like disability issues that's like this low level thing, which is getting worse and worse and worse in the background. And people are just accepting it across the board that online activists, you know, oh, you're online, it doesn't count. Yeah. Like, no, those, are, those are people, you know, we live in an age where, like you were saying, we communicate with each other on social media, we have a voice. So of course they've got to scapegoat those people and just immediately act like they're just angry trolls. That's the only, the only way they can do it. Cause like you said, they can't shut that down. Yeah, it's a, it's a smear campaign. Of course, there are lots of terrible online activists and, and, and campaigns and people, but there's also lots of good stuff, yeah. right? And they don't like the whole concept of it because mm-hmm. it isn't regulated, it isn't controlled in a top-down way. So what you do is you take the worst aspects of it and you try and project that to be, that's all it is, so we should dismiss it entirely. It's exactly what they did with the Labour membership, right? Yeah, so what's Julie say next? China, that's what she says. Strong start to a paragraph. China for instance, got quite hot under the Mandarin collar recently about Dior's recent homage to the traditional horse face skirt design with Chinese students in Paris organizing a protest on Saturday near the flagship store. Their banners reading, stop cultural appropriation. You would think Chinese students 
enjoying Western freedoms might be more interested in protesting about the enslavement, metaphorical and actual, of their countrymen rather than fussing about frocks. Over to you, Heather. Why? Because I'm the um, consultant on cultural appropriation or frocks or some fashion. Yeah, because you're a woman yeah. and you know about frocks. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll speak about frocks if you want. Um, it, it's just Julie saying they don't agree with me, so they shouldn't protest, isn't it? Yeah, enjoying Western right freedoms, things. like protesting. But they shouldn't protest. But I guess, uh, yeah, it's really Well, they weird. should protest, but about they, the right thing. They should protest about stuff that... <laughs> <laughs> enjoy your western freedoms in the way that i want them to be enjoyed yeah, yeah. it's weird it, it directly contradicts her last, her last paragraph as well because she's literally talking about activism now means getting sweary online in the very next paragraph she actually talks about an actual protest yeah. but that too is is silly and it's just fussing about frocks like what does she want well it, i think she wants them to be more woke right the, sort of, the, the whole article is like outwoking the woke it's like well did you know actually there's much worse things going on in China. Oh, is that, that that's interesting? Why don't you educate us on that? Why don't you start your own campaign about that? You know, yeah. it's, it's like anyone can do it. You know, why do how how about you intersect the two protests, and then you really have a movement going? But it's like no, no, just shut up, shut up with your protest. I can, and that's the thing about all of the these often these these right wing kind of critiques. It's not like oh well, they're protesting about this. That's interesting. Maybe we can use that and we can come together. No, it's like, shut up, stop your protest, because actually there's a worse thing that you could be protesting about. You think if they did a protest about that, the virtual would then be satisfied? I, I doubt it. No, she wouldn't be. <laughs> so let's move on. Um, well, let's not move on, because virtual's still talking about China. But China's almost mischievous appropriating of wokedom. So <laughs> let me just stop there. The pro so yeah, the appropriating of wokedom. Um, I don't know. She I'm really confused about. Is she against it's not, appropriation? It's also not or... China. It's just some students in Paris. Yeah, yeah. Who are Chinese. It's not the whole nation that's. Well, the only thing very woke now, Heather. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, you've got her own technicality. It's not the Chinese government dissing whatever designer it was. Is it? But China's almost mischievous appropriating of wokedom is nothing new. Recall, China supporting Black Lives Matter. Again, yeah, you're right, China supporting Black Lives Matter. That would be an amazing, if the, if the Chinese government <laughs> went to war over Black Lives Matter or something. Yeah, uh, while treating Black people unfortunate enough to live in China as a cross between children and chattels. In a, new year, in a New Year television show a few years back, a skit that purported to pay tribute to the friendship between China and Africa featured a Chinese actress in blackface with a huge fake bum and a basket of fruit on her head. She was accompanied by an actor from Ivory Coast who actually was black. The trouble was he was dressed in a monkey costume. I mean, I, you know, I'm anti-woke, so that sounds fine to me, but I guess virtual is like, I don't know that like virtual's now saying, well, that's, this is the thing, like China's not very woke. Is that her point? Do you that's know what would be hardly... a good example she could use? She could have used the fact that Israel is supporting the protests in Iran, despite treating a load of Palestinian women in a horrible, horrible way. Yeah, so I mean. <laughs> she could it, use it, that it... example, couldn't she? But she doesn't, does she? 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't think China are trying to be woke. That's the thing. I don't think they care. Right? But Israel's trying Israel to be woke. Israel really are. And they really are sort of woke yeah. washing. Yeah, because they're always going on about how LGBTQ friendly they are, even though you can't get have a gay marriage in Israel because all marriage has to be religious. Um, they're always going on about how you can get vegan meals in the army so you can be kind to animals before you're cruel to Palestinians. But yeah, she won't use that because she loves Israel, Julie Birchall. Uh, and she hates China. Um, yeah. Because, because they're not woke enough, it seems to be the argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, we've got we've we've dealt with China now, and uh, Virgil moves on to Russia, of course. Uh, it's like the wokeness of Russia and China. These are these are things that are really misunderstood by a lot of people on the left. So, talking about Russia, with Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, it was odd hearing him ramble on about the Nazi, who apparently ruled a country that had both a Jewish president and a Jewish prime minister. So I'm just gonna stop right there again. That is just exactly the sort of example of wokeness that I thought she would hate, right? This idea of, well, um, you cover your politics by having a Jewish person, by having this diversity. Do you remember when Putin did the whole, um, actually, I feel like JK Rowling getting canceled because of transphobia. No, um, but that's so, pretty good. <laughs> so, so Putin has been quite good at picking up on anti-woke talking points as well you know he's quite a woke and anti-woke appropriator I don't think we, well, should... we should write a video about what I'm, I'm lost in the argument now that he's not anti-woke that's what virtual he claims to be anti-woke but he's not I'm the real anti-woke something like that I don't know he's masquerading as an anti-woke uh freedom of speech fighter but he's not so uh, going back to the old school they're talking about Ukraine having a Jewish president and Jewish prime minister. Uh, and as Virtual goes on to say, this is the only country ever to achieve this apart from Israel. And uh, bringing up Israel, as we said, the, the woke capital of the world. Virtual goes on to ask the question, where had I heard this sort of hysterical blather before? From Rick, from the young ones, and of course, from Antifa, the American anti-fascists who expressed their hatred of Nazis by vandalizing synagogues. I didn't click on this link. I clicked on the link. So the vandalizing synagogues is, is a, a hyperlink in the article and it takes you to Jewish News Syndicate. It's just like, yeah, because it's just a stupid thing, isn't it? The whole of Antifa is vandalizing synagogues. It's just nonsense. Yeah, yeah. So the initiation of going into Antifa is you have to vandalize a synagogue, right? <laughs> uh, the, other, the other good reference is uh, Rick from the Young Ones. It's a very uh, contemporary current reference, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can someone explain that reference to me? Because I do not know. What... No, the young ones. The young ones was a comedy show written by Ben Elton that was very popular when I was quite a lot younger, and it was a flat share comedy. I didn't watch it very much, but it it was all about boys in a flat share, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Being very stupid. very disgusting flat share. Uh, moving on, and it's hard to imagine any belief system less woke than Islamism, with its murderous loathing of spirited women. Is that right? Do I, I, what's that mean? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, spirited. It means like feisty, like you know, opinionated. Is that what it, is that what it says in the yeah. Quran? <laughs> kill, the, <laughs> kill the feisty ones. Um, spirited women, homosexuals, and atheists. Uh, but knowing 
that it's a good trick with which to worm one's way into the affections of privileged young Westerners. Islamists are often keen to have a bash. It might sound like something out of a Chris Morris sketch, but in his salad days, none other than Osama bin Laden wrote a letter calling on the American people to help President Barack Obama fight catastrophic climate change and make a rational decision to save humanity from the harmful gases that threaten its destiny. So now being climate action is woke as well now, apparently. Is that right? Um, it's woke. I don't know. It's, it's, it depends who you are, I guess. It's woke for Osama bin Laden to do it. <laughs> it's, it's hypocritical. I don't, this is the thing. It's like, it's about hypocrisy. That's the main thing about all of this, right? It's about hypocrisy. Um, I'm so confused. All these people she keeps throwing in. I, I just don't know what's coming next and I've already read it. Yeah, I don't know. It should it should just keep going, shouldn't it? And we we'll all we all remember Hitler was always <laughs> always talking about saving the environment Hitler, and Hitler recycling. Was vegetarian. That was a classic. <laughs> he was like, vegetarian as well. Yeah, classic, classic poser. Woke. Yeah. Hipster poser. Yeah. No flavor. We should say something about how virulently anti-Islam a lot of this stuff is. Like it's just so extreme. Right, and it comes out of nowhere. Like, why is that? relevant like it's it's so bad like it's just so so racist like yeah it, it, this is this is blatantly racist i don't understand like i don't i know that the spectator is this quite what is this is this spiked this is spiked but it's pretty it much is, the same as stuff in spectator so it's that same kind of you know yeah I'm, I'm actually quite shocked was there a lot of pushback to this article when it came out because that's no, that I, would I be that would be that. like that would be like cancel culture, and that's that's not on. <laughs> but pushback. Like, all of our articles have this. Well, I've, I've read three of them. I haven't read a lot of recent Julie Birchall, but I read three of them. They all seem to have this anti-Muslim paragraph in there somewhere that just comes right. out of the air that she's really, really, really hates Islam. It just doesn't even seem connected to anything at this point. No. Our example of. Islam is is Osama bin Laden, you know that. Yes. <laughs> the great yes, Osama bin Laden, um, who is obviously the typical figurehead. Typ of Islam, your typical right? Muslim, Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Uh, so next, you've got just add the word appalling, and you would swear Prince Charles had written it. That's that's all we get about Prince Charles. We don't know where he is on the work spectrum, according to virtual. But um, but she likes Diana. I know she's changed on that, so she was never a big Prince Charles fan. No, I don't think she's a Prince Charles fan here. I think this is a dig at Prince Charles. Right. Prince so Charles he's like Osama bin Laden. Yeah, they're famously very like similar abuse. <laughs> is that like a, is that some sort of meme they've got going on? Like, I've never heard the word appalling specifically associated with Prince Charles. No, I think it is now associated with him. I think he, he said something <laughs> about... Catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's a climate activist, I guess. And she doesn't like that. I suppose so that makes him woke yeah so cheating on Dana is you don't need that anymore it's just his wokeness you can hate him for oh that that could be it as well I'm not I don't I don't know we need to get virtual yeah. on the show we do <laughs> I'd love that actually <laughs> what's she got to say next Julie the many memes comparing queers for Palestine with turkey for Thanksgiving say it succinctly but it doesn't stop homosexual halfwits like Judith Butler from spouting balderdash like understanding Hamas and Hezbollah 
as social movements that are progressive, that are on the left, that are part of a global left is extremely important. So we, we, we touched on Israel, we get a bit of Palestine here, and then we get the homosexual halfwit Judith Butler spouting balderdash. I don't know what you want to say to that. Is she, is, is this writer straight herself? Yeah, but she had one relationship with a woman, but she's straight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. It just, it just, just that in itself, homosexual halfwits reads to me as homophobic. <laughs> yeah. Are you reading too much into? This is your classic wokeness. Well, what, no, what she's pointing out. No, what she's trying to do is, is the, the hypocrisy. Yeah, I think it's more just that you know, you wouldn't usually refer to someone as homosexual, <laughs> like especially not like that. It's a bit like. But it's, it's yeah. alliteration. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's okay if it's alliteration. That's what yeah. everyone knows the rule. <laughs> I mean, you can't get a word. If she said gay, you'd have to have another word, not halfway. Well, I think she words. should explain what she's saying, that it's it's not in Judith Butler's interests as a gay person to align herself with Hamas. That's the opinion that she's she is, having, right? That's what she's saying. I mean, it's yeah. there. Yeah. But it is interesting that we were talking before about how, like, Israel woke washes everything and yet she's doing that woke washing for them she's complicit in it now right yeah because she won't she yeah she won't mention um Israel's position on homosexuality oh she's basically saying these Palestinians why would you support Palestine over Israel given that is she's implicitly saying Israel's position is very different on yeah I mean it's, it's basically yeah this idea that because because of Islam, right? Because yeah. because <laughs> in some Islamic texts, as in some Christian texts, mm -hmm. there are some ways you can read it as being homophobic. And therefore anybody from that background deserves to die, <laughs> basically. Right, I essentially mean, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's basically the position that people who have homophobic views therefore should die. But even people that don't have those views but happen to come from a culture that you have decided <laughs> yeah. en masse have that view. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no, there's no way you could be a progressive Muslim, basically. That's impossible, right? Yeah, I think the thing that just makes me so angry about that as well is like, you know, how glibly she kind of goes past this. But, you know, on a serious note, how is the society, you know, she she paints the Palestinians as being so backwards, you know, because they're not like us, they're not Western. But how on earth is anybody supposed to even grow or progress if that's what she thinks of them when they're being bombed to bits? Like, how does that change? Yeah. And if you're really in favour of a free speech absolutist, Palestinians in the West Bank and in Gaza voted for Hamas to be their government. Right. And all of the world, including, you know, the European Union, when we were members of it, said, no, you can't do that. You're not allowed to have them as your government. She's not really bringing that up, is she? No. It's when it's your point of view that's under attack, then it's woke culture, then it's cancel culture, then it's a free speech issue. But if it's the reverse, well, that's just because it's the right position. So they should yeah. shut up. Yeah. Uh, should we get back to the article? Yeah. Um, so Birchall goes on. As if attempting to get with the program, when Al-Qaeda praised the Orlando gunman Omar Martin in 2016, it also criticized him for targeting gay men, scolding that jihadists should avoid minorities lest their massacres be mistaken for hate crimes. 
In future, they should simply indiscriminately kill as many Anglo-Saxons as possible. That'll teach them to have white privilege. If a government is at war with another country, right, then they will say things like, don't kill children because it looks bad, right? They'll right. say, don't bomb hospitals. You kind of have to understand that people who we call terrorists at a particular moment in time, like the IRA, we called the IRA, like we called the African mm. National Congress, people who are engaged in armed struggle in what they define as a war, are going to make strategic decisions about who to target and why. And that's all that's happening here. Why, why, is, this, why is this something remarkable? I don't understand why there's that kind of in brackets, like a kind of side on a side there that will teach them to have white privilege, as if the people supporting this are the woke snowflakes. Like, <laughs> who does she think they are? Like, yes, we support like mass murder of civilians. Of course, that's what we're all about. Like, what <laughs> is the suggestion here? I'm just trying to get my head around it. That white privilege is that white privilege doesn't exist for the example that you're not getting killed by terrorists. I don't quite understand it. Wait, I don't quite get it. Wait, is, is it like a sort of like implicit white privilege isn't a real thing and in fact we're persecuted because in terrorist attacks we get attacked? I don't get it. I think it's um a very generous um, form of writing where you can read many things into it right because um, you're right whatever you think about white privilege you can probably find a way of interpreting it because it's pretty vague I mean yeah, I, I, I well I they don't like writer Birchall, Birchall is writing this for an audience that don't like the idea of white privilege to the point that they don't like to think about it yes so to they see like the habits. words to see the words in an article is infuriating enough because you have to then think about the complexity of what that might mean and they and they don't like this the whole idea and that's that's the problem with world culture is it is obviously um coming out of some very interesting and difficult conversations right which they which people like virtual don't want to address but but she the people who are reading the article like the idea that someone is taking the piss out of the idea of white privilege yeah, of course. Which yeah. She's, she's doing very, she is a very skilled writer compared to like, we read a few different writers for this, like judging who to look at. I think Julie Birchall's probably the sharpest of all of them. Uh, I, I'd agree to, yeah, to some extent she, she's got, she is very good at like, she's got some sort of literary flourish, I think that's really nice and interesting. But I, I also think because of how ubiquitous this these kind of phrases are on on the you know the talk shows and within the conservative party and in the right wing like newspapers it, it becomes very like it's very easy you could make a kind of computer program that could make a pretty good article now that would just you just put in these trigger words that have been given in, like so much meaning has been put on them at this point yeah. that it will just kind of make sense if you just sort of randomly put put them in, a, in in any kind of sort of situation. You take any kind of current event news story and you just say, well, you know, that'll teach the, the white privilege woke mob to cancel people on Twitter, won't it? You go, yes, I suppose it will. I don't know how, but yeah, why not, you know? Okay, so going back to the article, next in the firing line, Virtual says, is President Erdogan of Turkey, who 
repeatedly warns of the rise of fascism in Europe while turning Turkey into a tin pot dictatorship. Furthermore, according to Erdogan, recognizing Turkey's role in the Armenian genocide is deep breath, Turkophobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, and racist. Woke bingo. Oh, there, we've got the woke bingo. She's doing it as well. We're all playing it. We're all playing our own game. Um, Turkophobic. Yeah, that classic. Always hearing that phrase, Turkophobic, all the time. Yeah, you know, the other example she doesn't use, though, is the kind of use of Hindu phobia to cover for human rights abuses against Muslims in India generally in Kashmir in particular. So yes. yeah, we know that these words are used. Um, like, yeah, then, like Islamophobic, yeah. Also, that could be a word that you might use for this article, for example. Yes. And, and the left is very strong on challenging the misuse of, of these kind of terms. But, but I, I don't see that coming from people like Julie Birchall. You mean like the way anti-Semitism kind of gets sort of used quite a lot these days, maybe when it shouldn't be? Yeah. I wonder what Virtual reckons about that. Virtual is well, very philosomatic. Is that how you well, say I, it? I read a article in The Guardian about Corbyn. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, back again to the article. Ever cowardly and sneaky, even ISIS has been peddling SJW dogma by setting up fake Facebook accounts. Sorry, why... We all know ISIS, like we know what ISIS is. Why is she having, why is she characterizing them here? Ever cowardly and sneaky. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, like this rascal old uncle or something. <laughs> Up to their usual tricks. Yeah. yeah. It, feels too, it feels too like comedic for that subject. Yeah. Um. She's got these great representatives of Islam in the article as well, isn't she? ISIS and Osama bin Laden. Of course, yeah. Should we skip to the end? Or oh, actually, do you next? want to talk about Sinn Féin? <laughs> Is Sinn Féin up next? Yeah, we should do Sinn Féin. <laughs> okay, so back to the article. Closer to home, we have an example of scary men coming over all sensitive in Ireland, where Sinn Féin politicians have whimpered about how deeply upset and frightened they are after having their effigies burnt, with the Grand Secretary of the Orange Order coming in on their side to declare, if you burn an effigy or burn a photograph of someone else, you obviously dislike them so much, you hate them. So that would be, for me, a hate crime. Protestants and Catholics united at last. Shame it had to be under the banner of Nambi Pambidum, there's a kind of macho culture to all this, isn't there, as well? Like, there's a the namby-pamby wokedom in comparison to the former hard men of the IRA that she's sort of nostalgic for. Right, it's incredibly patriarchal. Okay, so, she, uh, so Julie, uh, Julie Birchall concludes, ideas of cultural appropriation are really quite close to the fascist ideal of culture, a fantasy of purity, as opposed to the reality that we and our cultures are mongrels, with all the best stuff from everywhere swirled together to create something new and better. Wokers were always going to be the dupes of tyrants, hating everything modern and Western as they do, 
The phrase useful idiots has never been more appropriate. The silly and the sinister are frequently bedmates politically, and they invariably spawn a monster. So this is her argument, right? So all this stuff is basically, no, it's not the um, fact that Erdogan and ISIS are taking are using wokeness that's the problem. And wokeness mm -hmm. by itself wouldn't be. It's just that if you are a namby-pamby snowflake who is attached to wokeness, then you're always going to be pushed and used by these terrorists, um, evil terrorists. Yeah, so the idea is that wokeness can be adopted too easily for different narratives. It's inevitably adopted. Yeah. It's, it's, it's intrinsic to it because, and again, it's what you're saying about it's very patriarchal. It's somehow the softness of the masculinity and wokeness she's implying is the problem. I think it's interesting that she brings in this idea at the beginning of the article, our culture is a mongrels with all the best stuff everywhere swirled together, which is an idea about inclusivity. Right. right. It's the idea that one of the sort of flip sides of, of like the way the right of sort of tackling woke, woke, wokeism or whatever is that it, it splits people up and you have black people, and you have gay people and you have women somehow. And, and you might have um, a black gay woman, but forget about them for a second. And then you have like uh, and, and what we really want is this kind of inclusive where everyone is sort of mixed in together with different cultures clashing and stuff. Um, which is interesting because obviously that wasn't the rights position in the past and it still isn't really in terms of immigration. Right, yeah, and there's also, you know, I've got to say this cultural appropriation, it's a misrepresentation of what the argument against cultural appropriation is, you know. Obviously, the, the argument against cultural appropriation would be not to to misuse, uh, you know, not to wear someone else's culture as, as a costume or to, you know, to in some way make money from something that someone from a specific group might do or you know uh, to make money off it you know what she's describing what it seems that what she wants here is she wants like a cultural exchange like cultural appreciation her terms are so mixed up like I'm sure it's deliberate like I'm sure it's deliberate yeah I mean it's also raising power because the whole idea of like a mixture of cultures a whole old multicultural idea could mm. erase the fact that it wasn't that you could, these cultures could mix on equal levels because there are power relations that structured how we saw different cultures and that still structure how we see different cultures. And there are power relations that impact on people's lives, on the way, on which countries are rich, which countries are poor, all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's some kind of glorious mixing cultures that, that can happen unless we address those power inequalities, right? Right. But she she wants yeah she doesn't want to talk about that but she she wants to allude to a, a kind of progressivism or what she sees as, as a more progressive than the woke position, and I do feel like there is this it's it's not a rejection entirely of sort of people from different cultures and different backgrounds and it's it's you know it's a, as she says it's, you know she is trying to reject yeah. um, homophobia she is trying to reject Islamophobia and she sees the woke position as being those she's not trying to reject islamophobia i think like i think no, she's, in the, uh, she's yeah. claiming to be no to i don't think she's that, even yeah. claiming that one um well she does i mean she does say at one point um she's talking about erdogan being islamophobic or, or using oh no using islamophobia using it, yeah yeah okay yeah and, and, and also 
what I think it is, is that because only... it doesn't exist, it can only ever be used as, yeah. A, yeah, as a rhetorical device. It's all these people who don't think they're on the right, who just use every single fucking right wing talking point in existence, but don't want to be on the right. That's Judy Birch, all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, shall we move on to yeah, Jonathan Python Walker? My point is, is, is that a lot, of, a lot of debate is shut down these days, especially from the left, and I get it quite a lot. If people disagree with me, they imply bigotry, they imply racism. This is a clip of um, Tom Walker, who is more well known as his character Jonathan Pye, talking with Owen Jones in 2018. Scholars are divided on exactly when it was. Is it 2018? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he talks about um, the 2017 election, so it's coming off the back of that at some point. And um, Owen Jones just just asks him about uh, identity politics, and this is what he says. But for me, what identity politics means is, is this idea that, that, that most things or many things are framed with regards to your individual identity, things like gender, sexuality, colour of your skin, right? Whenever I say something that people disagree with, mm-hmm. it is rare for someone to argue against my argument. What usually happens when someone disagrees with me, they say, you're using your straight white male privilege. That's it. End of debate. The implication of that is that I'm a bigot. Even if I'm wrong, because of my gender, sexuality, colour of my skin, you still haven't told me what I've got wrong. You're just telling me why I've got it wrong. It's literally straight white male privilege, la 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 la. Not suggesting that, that it doesn't exist, that straight white male privilege doesn't exist. What I am suggesting is it seems to be the go-to if someone says something you disagree with. What I don't have with, with, with you as a gay man is a shared experience of that. But I can uh, empathise, I can imagine, and my experience of the world is as unique as anyone else's on this planet. And I am a liberal, and I think I'm a good person, and, and, and I'm willing to listen to other people's points of view. I'm not suggesting that, that, that these inherent privileges don't exist. What I'm questioning is their usefulness in uh, political discourse. So first of all, I just wanted to say, so I used to watch him a long time ago when he first sort of came out. I thought, oh, this is a bit refreshing. And then he kind of veered into the centre and I realised he was one of those anti-political correctness gone mad people. But, you know, this whole premise that he's talking to Owen Jones about, it's that Badil thing where he feels very persecuted. He's quite angry. There's a moment in this. I don't know if you can get a clip of it. There's a specific moment where you actually see there's anger. There's genuine anger in his face. His website, when you when you write Jonathan Pye in, you know, the first thing that comes up is news reporter Jonathan Pye has been cancelled in caps <laughs> for an off colour on air remarked. And it's just that trend again, you know, he's saying it's so hard because in comedy, everyone's offended all the time. But isn't he just another comedian going on a cancellation tour? But that, that's the whole, that's how he's selling his whole new tour that he's right, so that, that, cancelled. That's the website. It's not a real, he's just made his own kind of headline of being cancelled because it's kind of like a badge of honor right you want to be cancelled yeah that's the that's the best thing to be platformed is to be cancelled he's literally pretending to be cancelled in character something that never happened so he can get at liberal snowflakes even though he he it's all fictional and he also he he's interpreting it it's very self-centered he's interpreting people saying you know, you are a white, cis, straight man as, as being some an end to the conversation because he's not willing to, to look deeper into it. What that really means, if you're saying that to him, is to say, look at the privilege you're coming from. 
Let's talk about the, the gender pay gap, right? So I just did a piece about that recently. A media that, that works with, with identity politics, they don't express it in the terms you just expressed it. Those headlines are, women get paid 87% less than men. You go, no, that's disingenuous. It's, that's not the debate. The debate is why. Let's talk about why those things. You know, there was one that was, it was Ryanair pay women 67% less than men. Now, now the, the implication there is that women get paid less for, for, the, for the same work. That's the implication with those headlines. So I just wrote a piece about it with, with Andrew about going, no, those headlines are disingenuous. Let's have a real discussion about, about you know, what societally, historically, why, why, why this has happened. I mean, I got absolutely slaughtered for it as a misogynist, as anti-feminist. Surely it, it's more adult and more, more feminist to be adult about it. All the points he's making... He doesn't make them in the video. He gets a woman to come on and play the part he's written for her and make right. all these points about how. And, and it's really not asking deep questions. It's just basically denying that we should worry about the gender pay gap. It's quite sneaky getting a woman on. It's something that ISIS might do. <laughs> sneaky ISIS. Sneaky and mischievous ISIS. Yeah. Exactly. Up to their own tricks again. Or China. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sneaky China. Yeah. <laughs> sneaky China. I, I do find that, that often women are treated and very much as sort of uh, victims. And a lot of women that I talk to really don't like being spoken to in those terms. Isn't it just a, a bit, just a bit political correctness gone mad? Isn't it just that cliche? But what I'm saying. Yeah, well, no, no, you no, can't no, say no, anything I, these days without being called a racist or a. I mean, it just. I, I mean, this is an age-old argument. There's a danger of of, of uh, oversensitivity. Not not with regards to these issues. Please, please don't get get me wrong in no. that. There is, I believe, a culture of offence that was kind of has always been around, and it manifests itself in different ways. You know, I, I find it interesting being a suddenly thrust into the comedy world. How censorious it is. How sensitive it is not to offend. Something that I see in him to get a bit psychological is. This man genuinely needs a lot of validation on a psychological level. I don't know if you noticed in this, he there was that point where he said, I think I'm a good person. You know, when Owen Jones says to him, you know, you're not all right, he kind of laughs to himself, almost nervously, as if to be like, oh, what a relief, what a relief. <laughs> <laughs> you're not all right or anything like that. A lot of your... Thank you. Uh, yeah, so you do get, you do get though, when you get all these people retweeting you who are all right and... I don't and get you, many. But what does know. that make you think though, sometimes? Are you a bit like, why are they liking this? This is a bit odd. I, this, yeah. this, it's so funny because people who go on about, you know, woke people being very sensitive are incredibly sensitive. You can tell in this clip, he's very nervous about the way he's coming across. And he's yeah, well, he, on, he, he says, he says, you know, women get framed as victims and they don't like that. But he wants to frame himself as a victim. And he yeah. does like that. Yeah, because... it's really interesting that he's, he's speaking for women. Um, I mean, I really don't. I really object to him speaking for women a lot of the women I talk to don't like that well maybe they could speak for themselves and say that rather than having you up here doing it and you're right he's I'm liberal I'm I like to think I'm a good person it is that kind of it happened a lot in the Labour Party there were always people who thought they were on the left and then all these left-wingers came in and they were like oh my god maybe I'm not on the left and they spend the whole time trying to recover their sense of themselves as decent human beings and it's the same with the Guardian all those writers who thought that they really wanted progressive change, all these people came along who they couldn't line up behind and they're trying to get to a position where they can reclaim themselves, their identity as progressive. And it's like, it shouldn't be like that. The whole point of the public realm is not to shore up the egos 
of some entitled liberals. Right. right. It's 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 almost childlike. I actually felt sorry for him a bit because he's sitting there and he's saying, "Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm good. I'm good, aren't I, Owen? Tell me I'm I'm a nice person, right? Right? Because he he can't even. There is something so psychologically interesting, and it's the same with with Badil. It's it's the idea of good. I'm good, but there's no. It's so surface level. They don't actually want to get into any sort of discussion. And there's something he says in this, actually, I believe. Let me just find it. Um... The implication when, when, you, when, you, when one suggests that I'm wrong uh, because of my sexuality, for example, in, the, in those instances, the implication is that I haven't bothered to read up on it and I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, maybe I've read everything in the world about it and I've come to this conclusion that you disagree with. So... Uh, I just wonder it's uh, identity politics is usefulness. Right, yeah, there's a there's a switch. I don't know if you notice he switches quite a lot psychologically. He acts he gets to the heart of it quite a lot. He'll accidentally start talking about how it's a wound to himself. You know, I thought I was a good person and I'm worried about how I'm coming across. Then he suddenly very you can see this in the clip. He suddenly switches, you know. He suddenly goes into Anyway, and then what I'm questioning is actually the usefulness of identity politics in political discourse. He'll throw something in after he's just got really personal about his own ego wound. Well, maybe I've read everything in the world about it and I've come to this conclusion that you disagree with. So uh, I just wonder it's uh, identity politics is usefulness. I feel like in toxic masculinity, we don't necessarily... It's not considered particularly man manly. It's seen a bit namby-pamby to admit mistakes or to admit, oh, maybe I've learned and I've changed. That's seen as snowflakey and namby-pamby and quite feminine. So I think especially with a lot of male commentators who think that they're on the left, they really struggle with that. They can't reflect. They will double down on anything they've said and they'll have to stay there because their very being is at stake. It's an ego wound. I think that's quite a good place to end, actually. <laughs> Ego wounds. <laughs> ego wounds. So thank you very much, Claudia, for being our second podcast guest. My pleasure. <laughs> and being, being brilliant to talk to. Yeah, thanks very much, Claudia. And uh, thanks, everybody, who watched until this point. And if you like these videos, as always, please uh, like the video, comment, subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Give us some money on Patreon. Um, especially thanks to people who comment because it's really nice to see how people respond to the videos. And like I said at the beginning, this video came out of a few people's suggestions. So we're totally open to suggestions for other videos. And otherwise, yeah, have a happy Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating. May this Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, be a hopeful, healthy, and a peaceful time for all of us. I don't know if you know this, Claudia, but we like to wave at the end of our videos like this, and that's how we finish. So everybody waves at the camera. That's it, very good, yeah. <laughs>